You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Oh, good heavens. Welcome to the Hang Time Podcast. Sekou Smith. And my main man, Lang Whitaker, live in the flesh here Yo. in in the booth in Atlanta. Um, hey, nope, no big deal. Nothing's going on around the NBA. <laughs> Just a complete and a total upheaval of the world order in the NBA since we last talked to you. Let's there was, see. There was so much stuff going on. I figured I better come in person. Yeah, you had to come. You had to come to headquarters. To do this in person. Let's see. I didn't know you keep it. You keep it a hundred in this booth. It's, <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> it's about a hundred degrees. It's not in me. Here. I think it's Hartzell. I think it's the, the powers that be. Man, they won't turn the AC on in here. Yeah. Markel Fultz, number one pick. We kind of one that. overall pick of the draft. D'Angelo Russell traded. Yeah. Doing his thing in Brooklyn now. Jimmy Butler traded to Minnesota. Yeah. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Paul George could be traded at any moment. Phil Jackson toasted. Gone, NBA award show, which was pretty good actually. I uh, I know some people were panning it. I thought it was really good. Monty Williams and Bill Russell to me nailed it, and then yeah. Russell Westbrook a very magnanimous you know acceptance speech for winning the Kia MVP. Oh, and did I mention Phil Jackson's out of New York? <laughs> you I think did I mention meant, that? Did I throw that I think in? so. Okay, and um, <laughs> let's bury the lead. Chris Paul no longer plays for the Los Angeles Clippers. Like what the hell happened? Oh, just I'm, that. I mean, the NBA went crazy in a week. I'm still catching my breath. <laughs> I, we, let's talk about the NBA award show. Get that over with. I was there. I was I was sitting at John Wall's table. To me, the the coolest part about it was um, if you're a, a fan of the NBA, somebody was one of the people I was talking to said, if you're like a fan of '90s NBA, this was like heaven because it was like everybody was there. <laughs> And you turn around and there's Dominique talking to Allen Iverson and mm-hmm. then, you know, Grant Hill and Dikembe and Buck Williams chilling in the corner. Everybody with, was there. Like when I got out of Benoit the Benjamin. when I went through security, I was sitting uh, I was behind Kareem and in front of Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. And you're just like <laughs> like all the giants of the league are here. Did Bill Russell um, tell you he'd kick your ass? No, he told that to Kareem. Oh. <laughs> and the, and then and Dikembe and Alonzo. Exactly. And everybody else. Yeah. Like he that said was that. awesome. That was that was a really cool moment. Yes. That Monty Williams getting the Sager Strong Award, like you said. Yeah. And then at the end, there was some drama because I think there was still this question: Is Russ going to be the MVP? Or? See, I thought he was going to win the way he did. I thought it was going to yeah. be a runaway for him. Yeah. The even be- the the best part was though the ballots. Yeah. Everybody got a chance to see the ballots the next day. Some some of our media brethren. I got a couple. Uh, I, got, I got a couple of mean angry tweets <laughs> because I had. Uh, you got to read a couple of them. Let's see how well, bad that, did they dog you out. I just delete. I blocked them. <laughs> The because uh, I'm right. That's why like, I don't care if you want to tweet at me, but I know I'm right. I there I got a couple not because the MVP thing. I got a couple because of my rookie of the year ballot. Because I had I had Joel Embiid on my first team all rookie, but, but he, you didn't have him on your ballot. He wasn't my top three rookie of the year. Right, and people were like, they do realize their the ballot had how many names? Three. Right. The rookie first team. Well, five. I, I mean, do the math. You they can, were like, you don't think. You don't think Embiid's one of the most talented rookies? And I was like, well, yeah, that's that, why he's on your 
Yeah, I think he was the fourth most talented, maybe, or the fifth. <laughs> but I'm not even most talented. If it's most talented, he might be the most talented. But we're not voting for the most talented. We're voting for the best for this season. Right. And I thought Brogdon got his team to the playoffs and played a big role all year long, and he deserved it. There's um, no question. I thought Brogdon uh, was I almost, deserving. I almost had Saric over him. I thought Dario had a good year and came on strong at the end. See, but, and I thought he had a good year, but I thought a lot of his numbers and his production was due to the fact that Embiid wasn't playing. Lately, yeah, and at the, I think at the end of the year they played a lot of games that didn't matter. Yeah, and he was kind of piling he up was stats. Getting some good numbers, yeah. but that's fine. I, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do when you're a rookie. I had that, on a bad team. That's why I had him second. Yeah. Anyway, you uh, you do know that DJ Wilson got drafted. He's uh, playing, who playing for the Bucks? DJ Wilson from Michigan. I, I called that one um, on our mock draft show on NBA TV. I had him going higher than anybody else. He went even higher than I thought. What do you mean you never heard him? You hear this? This is blasphemy. I'm getting ready to jump on the Bucks. Remember how I was? Remember how I foresaw the uh, rise of the Memphis Grizzlies at one time? We, yeah. we nicknamed them the Hangtime Grizzlies. Yeah. I'm a little late to the party, but the Bucks are my new team. That's my new. Still room on the bandwagon, so. I, listen, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> come on board. <laughs> the bandwagon, the the engineer and the driver <laughs> sitting in the other room. We're getting ready. To, we're getting ready to crank up this Bucks bandwagon the next couple of years. Just getting ready Full to be tank out of gas. Of, it's I getting ready to be out of control. I almost choked to that. <laughs> Fear the deer, baby. It's a movement. <laughs> Believe it. Um, yeah. But anyway, Phil Jackson, the the Zen master. I looked yesterday at some old pictures from a hangtime road trip where we went up to the Knicks practice facility. Had Phil listen to us. He might not be in this mess right now. I thought about that pic- picture too, the one that you gave to me and Rick. Yeah, you blew it up and yeah, it was awesome. It's a picture of Phil laughing after he made fun of you for being short. Yes, he said the short man needs to be in front. Well, if he <laughs> if he'd have made the short man stand out front right about now, he might not be in the um, you know. In I think retirement home. I think the takeaway should be that, and I wrote this on the blog table today. I thought Phil was gonna his uh, reputation would give him the time to rebuild this thing and. and put a real foundation under it but it turns mm-hmm. out the triangle is not a strong foundation <laughs> to put a building on top of <laughs> so maybe maybe you shouldn't build on top of a triangle i just feel bad for him because it's almost like everybody else saw the wreck come in before he did yeah and it's strange it's like right around the time that they guaranteed the final two years of his deal yeah he decided he was going to start talking. Like, remember, we couldn't find him when Derrick Rose didn't show up for work. Yep. And everybody was expecting him to come down and get in front of a microphone, nothing. But then he gets a, the final two years guaranteed, and the next thing you know, he's talking about Melo. And yep. then, you know, we get close to the draft, and he's also, you know, and Chris Tasporzingis skips a exit meeting, and the next thing you know, he's bagging on Porzingis. I think those, those incidents, those issues were the final straw for him, mm-hmm. and I think – once you got through the draft and realized, you know, this this isn't going to change. Like, Phil's not changing his ways at all. He's going to keep operating the way he thinks is best, and it's and it's detrimental to the long-term future of the franchise. Somebody had to do something. Shouldn't you figure that out before the draft? Yes, you definitely <laughs> should. When he's gonna, Somebody definitely should have seen that. When he's going to draft a system point guard instead of, like, <laughs> you know, Malik Monk or, or – Zach Collins or somebody who would have been a – Dennis Smith. Yeah. <laughs> There's I mean, a couple of guys who were – more athletic and the way the league is going it seemed like would be a, a, a good selection at that point you know what would be the poetic justice in this whole thing or, or i guess the ironic way this would play out is phil's gone what if it turns out that frank tillikina or whatever i don't know if i'm it's saying just that crazy. right it's just what if baller. he's what if he's the best player in that class <laughs> <laughs> two years from now he blows up and he's like three years from now he's coming to Westbrook. because like look phil's been they've they've hit 100 percent on those foreign guys Porzingis, Hernan Gomez, Kuzminskis, every guy they brought in has worked. What if this is the guy who's like 
it turns out to be like the, the transformative player they needed all along. And Phil's just back in California laughing. Are we absolutely sure that Phil's hands are all over those picks? Because I've talked to is. people who said that yeah. Phil had to be talked into not drafting some other guys in order for the organization to take Porzingis. Um, yeah. Certainly, you know, on Kuzmiskis. I mean, you think Phil was in some gym watching? Come on. I think at the end of the day – his name's on the the ledger. <laughs> well, you know, he he takes something else with him. Um, by the way, those hundred and sixty six losses, yeah, and and zero playoff appearances on his watch. I don't wish bad on anyone, and we got a chance to talk to him at the start of the process mm-hmm. when there was still some hope that Phil was going to bring his magic touch to the Knicks. I think his struggles and failures with the Knicks illustrates just how hard it is to go in and implement a culture and build a championship caliber team or even a playoff caliber team when you do, when you're not fully invested in the the grind of that process. Don't you think also 3 years is a short time to do that? I it mean, is. If he had at least shown some progress in that direction, I don't think we're here having this conversation. Absolutely. He should have clearly hired Rick Fox from the beginning to be the coach, and uh, well, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Got, yeah, we wouldn't be having this conversation now because they'd have been fired after a year. <laughs> we would have had it 18 months ago. <laughs> but Shout out to Rick Fox. But, look, this is a to me this is the the sign that, hey, you know, if you're not serious about the process of building in the NBA, the way it has to be done nowadays, you can get burned. I don't care what right. your resume says. So it's going to be interesting to see what Jerry West does as a consultant now back in L.A. with the Clippers. We talked about Chris Paul. That may or may not have been one of the first strokes, uh, you know, of his tenure with the Clips. You know, so it's just hard to hard to say what will – be next. I think Phil's done. I don't think Phil. I, think so too. I don't think Phil he wants might, to be bothered with this again. Pop up as a consultant, and for that's a, the extent of. I think that's the, like the full extent maybe. what he might do. Yeah, you know, but nothing yeah. more. Anyway, I mentioned Chris Paul, and nobody likes talking trades in, in CP3 more than our main man John Schumann, who got a fantastic numbers and and kind of analysis of that trade and what it means on NBA.com. Check it out. But let's let's check with John and see what. He thinks about where Chris Paul's headed in his career right now, the the Rockets, and what it means overall for the you know, for the entire league. Shoe, what's up, sir? Fellas, what's going on? Hey man. Hey man, we're still here. We haven't been traded yet. Hanging in there? We're trying. We're just trying to survive free agency before it gets here. Yeah, I was I was Rachel Nichols brought up a, a saying with Chris Paul the other day or yesterday, like Oh, you know, he chose winning over the money, right? Because he could have, if he opt, if he opted out of his contract, he could have got a bigger contract. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like it's nice when when the when less money is still twenty five million dollars <laughs> a year. I'd like to know what that feels like someday. <laughs> you better work right, on I got that a jump Chris shot. Chris Paul yeah. trivia question for you. Chris right. Paul related trivia question for you. Okay. Chris Paul has in his career has made nine hundred and ninety seven three pointers. So he's three away from a thousand, right. and he has uh, eight thousand two hundred fifty-one assists. He's tenth all time on the assist list, ninety-fifth all time on the three-pointers list. Question is, who are the three players who have more assists and more three-pointers than Chris Paul in their career? Jason Kidd, all retired. Correct. Jason Kidd, hmm. number one. Steve he's Nash, eighth on the uh, three-pointers list and second on the assist list. You said they're all retired. All retired, yeah. Steve Nash. Steve Nash, number two. Good. He's uh, 18th on the three-pointers list and third on the assist list. How many assists? 821. Is that what you said? Oh. Yeah. 
Chris Paul has eighty two fifty one. So Kidd has about a little over twelve thousand. Right. Nash has a little over ten thousand or ten thousand three hundred. See, I would want to um, say this, John Stockton, but I don't remember Stockton shooting threes like that. I don't that. think Stockton a little short on the three pointers. Yeah. He had eight hundred. He has he had eight hundred forty five threes. So yeah. he's uh, about one hundred fifty short right. on the three pointers. Uh, Mark Jackson. Nope. It's got to be a point guard. In in theory, who, Magic who shot a bunch of threes. Magic didn't shoot threes. I don't like think that. so either. Nah. Uh, no way. It's not Isaiah, right? Because he didn't shoot the threes. Shoot threes back nope. then. Nope. It's got to be somebody more more recent. Um, I just found the list of uh, the assist leaders. What about? Wait a minute. What about? No. What about Gary Payton? Gary Payton, correct. Nailed it. Three for three over here. Eighth on the assist list at eight thousand nine hundred sixty-six. Sixty-ninth on the all-time three-point list, eleven hundred thirty-two. Wow. You know what cracks me up is when we hear people talk about this guy is the best ever to do this, or this guy is the greatest player to say. You, we really do overlook some really just unbelievable players who have come through the NBA. Yeah, they get kind of sandwiched in between eras, and we forget about yeah. them. I mean, it's crazy. So, Shu, I, I read your breakdown. Uh, you know, of the uh, Rockets-Clippers deal that, that sees Chris Paul join forces with James Harden. You, I, as always, you did a fantastic job, but you didn't really – you didn't say one way or another, you know, like what you would have done. <laughs> you just kind of laid it all out. What what would GM John Schumann have done if presented with that deal? That was a knowing chuckle from Schumann right there. I would, I would do it. I mean, you, you, you're basically getting a top ten player in the league and teaming him up with another top ten player in the league. So, right. like – you go for the talent, you know, and and worry about the fit later, really. And, like, I think the fit isn't as bad as, you know, anybody, you know, it, it, I think the fit can be pretty good because, one, like, the, primarily, like, these guys aren't going to be playing, like, if Chris Paul plays 32 minutes, all 32 minutes, James Harden isn't going to be on the floor for the whole time. You right. know, I, I assume right. that Mike D'Antoni is going to stagger their minutes so he has one of them on the floor at all times. And then if you look at it, like Chris Paul's playing 32 minutes, right? And let's say you have 40, a 48-minute game of no garbage time. If Chris Paul's playing 32 minutes, which he played last year, that means Harden's on the floor for those other 16 by himself. Right. And if Harden's playing about 38, then Paul is on the floor for about uh, 10 minutes by himself. And so I think that's the, the what – the, the, those are the important minutes where you have them maybe on the floor together for about 20, 22 minutes, and then and then one or the other on the floor for 26 to 28 going against, you know, Whoever, yeah. units from the opponent that have uh, they have bench guys on the, on the floor. Now, right. you know, you're not talking about five bench guys necessarily, but, you know, we saw last year the Clippers, I mean, the last three years basically, the Clippers just have suffered basically the league's biggest drop-off when Chris Paul sits. Right. You know, and the Rockets overall didn't suffer a huge drop off when Harden sat last year. But um, if you look at their bench minutes and wins versus losses, is basically the, big, the biggest differential. So, like their bench play determined their wins and losses last year quite a bit. Right. Um, and so, having Paul on the floor when Harden's off, you know, you obviously have now a lot more consistency in those minutes and then when Paul is off and Harden on, you know, obviously you're 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 also you're in good shape. I mean, and when they're both on the floor, I think it's it's not a real issue. Like I every coach would love to have two guys who making plays rather than one. 
And I think, like, at the deadline last year, I think that's part of the reason why they went and got Lou Williams is just to have a second guy who can handle the ball and, mm-hmm. and create something, you know, if defenses went and double-teamed Harden on pick-and-rolls, you know, or, you know, stop the first in that initial action, then you can kick it to somebody else who can do something with it rather than, you know, having Patrick Beverly, who's just more of a catch-and-shoot guy, not, not somebody who's going to too dangerous off the dribble. Um, and so... I think it's great. Like my scenario is like you run a, a hardened Clint Capella pick and roll. And then if they take that away, you, you trans transition immediately into a, like a Chris Paul, Ryan Anderson pick and pop, you know, on the other side of the floor. And you have Trevor Reza sitting in one of the corners and he's the league leader in corner threes over the last four years. And I think that's a pretty good scenario and pretty tough to guard. Do the, do the Rockets have the best backcourt in the NBA now? Oh, absolutely. Like, I think, I think absolutely. Hmm. I, I, I always thought that the Clippers' backcourt was sort of underrated because nobody would bring – when everybody talked about best backcourt discussions, right. you know, they start with Golden State and they bring in Washington and Portland. And I'm like, you know, the Clippers' backcourt was really, really good. And that's with J.J. Redick just being a knockdown shooter because Chris Paul is a really, really good shooter too and obviously a, a great playmaker and, you know, one of the league leaders in assists. So – now you you know upgrade in in that regard you upgrade from Reddick to James Harden and yes I think that's the best backcourt in the league. Hmm. Shoot, what do you think this does for the Rockets in terms of where they fit in the in the Western Conference landscape now? Does does this move and whatever else that comes with it if it's not a blockbuster but if it's just filling out a roster, does that put them right behind the Warriors in the West or you still think there's some separation between them and the, the Spurs maybe? No, I would put the Rockets ahead of the Spurs. Mm-hmm. I think like. The Spurs are, it's funny, like, it feels like this, there's, like, a little bit of instability with the Spurs now with, like, you know, this talk of LaMarcus Aldridge not wanting to be there and, and not happy with the fit there. And, it feel, and obviously, Tony Parker on his way out, Ginobili, uh, you know, on his way out, whether it be this year or next year for both of those guys. And so it feels like even though they have, uh, you know, one of the, three or four best players in the league, and he's only going to get better as Kawhi Leonard, you know, sort of takes on a little bit more of an offensive role, maybe becomes a little bit more of a playmaker than he is already. I feel like there's a little bit of, I think, relative to what we've seen over the last 20 years, a little bit of instability with the Spurs and and not sure where they go from here in regards to, you know, Kawhi Leonard's supporting cast. And obviously if, if Chris Paul was a target of theirs, you know, this trade sort of, you know, makes them move on to plan B. Yeah, I want to push back, by the way, and the more I think about it, on your assertion or your proclamation that they are now the best backcourt in the league. I don't know if... I disagree. I disagree with that. I'd rather have Steph and Clay. Me too. I don't think so. I'd rather have Steph and Clay. I think Clay's a a better defender than Chris Paul or James Harden. I think he's a better better and more versatile defender than either one of those guys. Like I, I think if you just if like they're both the same size, I'd rather have Chris Paul on a, in a on any particular defensive possession than Clay Thompson. Well, yeah, but I mean, if, I, if, and stronger, if, if me and you know, Shaq like were the we same saw, size, you know, I mean, we, we like, like what kind of Kevin Love and, and and not giving up any space, you know, I know, but what kind of analytics is that? Kevin Love? If they were the same size, well, if me and Shaq were the same size, I'm betting on me. Like, that's <laughs> we <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's fantasy. That's hoops. No, 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 no. I agree with that. But like, as a, as far as a point guard defender, I don't know if there's anybody better than Chris Paul right now. I mean, and but he's 32, right? right. And that could 
Yeah, that I'm going based just on what we fall off within the next year or two. Yeah, you know? I'm going like, based on what we see right now. I, and I'm not. This is where you get into these razor thin arguments. Like, and I'm not saying that Harden and, and CP aren't right up there in that group of right. the very best. I'm just saying, if I got to pick, off- offensively, I think they're. I, I think. I mean, it's hard. Like, because people underrate Chris Paul's shooting too. Like, people don't realize how good of a shooter he's become, and especially in the last four or five years. Hey, you know who you know who Harden lost the MVP to a couple of years ago? Steph Curry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm okay going with the with the Warriors as as a better offensive backcourt. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. And what is how? What do you think happens to the Houston offense now when you get Mister Midrange coming in there, Chris Paul? That's a good question. The one thing I, I will say is I think his midrange, the amount of midrange shots he takes, will drop just. Because he's playing off the ball more, probably yeah. Because mid range is more like you know pull ups are more more likely to be mid range because you're stepping in on threes and you know they run you off the line or whatever. And catch and shoot are more likely to be three points. So he's going to have his his catch and shoot ratio is going to go up, and therefore yeah. his three point attempt ratio is three point versus mid range is going to go up with it. Um, but I think it's not a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think. I agree. I, a little I, bit of mid range is not a bad thing. I agree. I and, think it gives you a little more balance. Yeah. Now, making it like against the Rockets, you could have basically one pick and roll scheme, right? Like, because you know Harden's trying to go all the way to the basket. So you can sag off and just protect the basket, go straight up and try to give him as much length at the basket as possible and try not to foul. Now you have to change that up. Now, when Paul is, is running the pick and roll, you have to, you know, that defender that big defender or whatever has to, uh, you know, switch up the scheme depending on who's running that pick and roll. So I don't think that's a bad thing for Houston. Yeah. Let me tell you where I do like the addition of Chris Paul specifically on offensively um, is what I call scramble mode. It's when a, you're not running a set and when you're trying to manufacture a possession or get a bucket late in a shot clock, which I know Mike D'Antoni could care less about you taking a shot late in a shot clock. Um, mm. But – the fact that Chris Paul will be able to break down the defense and find somebody else for a shot is something that I didn't think the Rockets were great at watching them in the playoffs against the Spurs. Like I didn't, you know, they were very decisive and they, and they go early in the shot clock, but when they need, when you're getting defended at an elite level, at a playoff level, and you got to get a shot off in the final 10 seconds of that shot clock. I like the idea of having a Chris Paul on the floor with Harden, breaking a defense down and finding Harden or somebody else for a good shot. And and I think yeah, I mean, that's where, I, I to me, that's where you really see a benefit. Are, Earth guards are triple threats, like you like to say. They can shoot. If they get catch the ball, no matter how much is on the clock, they can shoot right away. They right. can dribble and dribble drive, and they can pass. And so to have two guys instead of one on the floor that can do that is obviously a huge advantage. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's – we, I didn't. That's not a move I saw coming, obviously. But um, I can't wait to see. Like I was ready. You know, I was ready to take a break from basketball. Like I'm ready. <laughs> like, this, this trade's got me fired up. Like, I know. Right, when's the season start? You know. Well, because I want to see what C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard do when they get a chance. You know, what I mean, like when they, when, they get, com- when they get off Twitter and start. <laughs> <laughs> because they're competitive guys in the league who are going to want a piece of this. They're yeah. going. They're going to want to see. Oh yeah. How they match up, and they're going to try and test this. I mean. It, I know everybody says that the Warriors are, you know, have this thing wrapped up for the next two, three years, and nobody's going to be. That means it's not going to be fun to watch. 
Right. Oh, you yeah. Know, that doesn't mean, yeah, it's gonna, it's, it's not doesn't gonna be... mean that this past season wasn't incredibly yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. You I'm, know, like... I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving yeah. this. Um, John Schumann, as always, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Um, Shu, I was going to tell you to get some rest, but everybody has to stay on alert. You know, no, <laughs> nobody gets a break because anything could happen. Paul George could get traded at any moment. I mean, Gordon, you know, Gordon Hayward's up in I free assume, agency. We've got I a ton of stuff. That's the, the Rockets' next target. And it has to be. question of, of – of if they can make that, if they could pull off pull that off, then that would be um, that would be really interesting. Well, then, then I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you again. I'm gonna come back and ask you that question. If they if they were to pull off that deal, what does that do to the pecking order in the West, and and how close are they to the Warriors? I mean, I, I think it's a fair question. It depends. To ask. The one thing I, I look at that if 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 them if they're trying to get Paul George, the one thing I'm if I'm Indiana. I say, give me Clint Capella, or Ugh. you know, yeah. and, I, and maybe Indiana doesn't want to, because that's the that's the one young player. Although the Indiana has Houston Miles that Turner. would entice teams, right? Right, right. And but maybe Indiana doesn't want to team him with Miles Turner, so yeah. maybe they involve a third team that that takes Capella and sends a young piece to to Indiana or something like that. So I'm just I'm just spitballing here, but so that like I think Capella is is a really nice piece for Houston, and like. You have these two guys, and him setting screens is a, is a big part of yeah. of their success with you know pick and roll with Paul and, and Harden. So that would be I'd be curious as if they could somehow get Paul George with, without giving up Clint Capella. That would be huge, but I don't know if that's possible. These are awesome issues to have on the yeah. eve of free agency. <laughs> like awesome things to have to to deliberate about. Um, with free agency, because yeah, like an corner. Eric Gordon plus Capella would work for Paul George, right? Just salary wise or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you. Yeah, I don't know. If then you, you then you up. start getting into the territory of of you don't have enough left to team up with the right <laughs> with what you traded for. Yeah, I mean they still yeah they still need big they still need you know they still need some mobile bigs basically is yeah. what they're going to need. You yeah. know somebody who's willing to set three screens on a you know three or four screens on a single possession. Can roll to the bat like Capella's great. You know, he can set. He'll he'll set as many screens as you need him to set on a single possession. Roll to the basket. He can catch and finish, and and he's a pretty good defender too. So I think, um, and and should only get better because yeah. he's young. So, um, I think that's a critical piece for them going forward. And it would be fascinating to see if if they had to make that choice, pull Paul George or Capella. You know, going forward. I agree. I, I, listen. Forget the forget taking the time off. Let's just go right back into the season. Let's just roll it right back. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to see this Houston thing work out or, or see how it works out. Uh, Summer league starts Saturday. Tune in. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. John Schumann, appreciate you as always, sir. We'll talk to you. All right, fellas. Okay, Later, Shu. Lang from the the bio robot super computerness of John Schumann to our our favorite guy of all time. Just ask Kevin Garnett. Steve Ashburner of NBA.com joining us. Hope, hopefully, Ash, shedding some light on this Jimmy Butler deal and what in the world is going on in Chicago right now. I mean, is it a full-blown re- – we're, we're in a full-blown rebuild again, just like we were supposed to be last summer, right? Well, last summer, yeah. Last summer they should have gone into this mode, um, but they did not. It was a, uh, a space holder. It was a keep the seats at United Center filled kind of a uh, – a decision a year ago, and uh, that was the you know the 
the crazy addition of Rajon Rondo and uh, signing Wade Wade just to basically uh, generate buzz. So now, finally, um, they've reached a point where the only the only refuge left, you know, the the, the last refuge of scoundrels in the NBA is rebuild, <laughs> and uh, that's that's where they've gone. So we're looking at uh, serious job security for um, John Paxson, Gar Foreman, and Fred Hoiberg, and they're going to test the limits of. Bulls fans, patience and tolerance. My my only question about the entire deal with Minnesota is who in the world got on the phone with Tibbs to make? I'm just curious. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've heard any intel, but like, which one of these guys actually had the the, the cojones to get on the phone and ask Tibbs, "Hey, you want to get this deal done?" After all that went down between that front office and Tibbs last year, something tells me that Scott Layden yeah. was. Uh, was- <laughs> Taking most of the uh, contact from Paxson and Foreman. Um, they, they were asked about this uh, in the press conference that night, and, of course, they gave you the uh, politically correct answer of, sure. you know, we're two years removed from those hard feelings, and this is a business, and we're all adults, and if you can't move on, you know. But you know this league. You know how hard oh, yeah. some of the feelings uh, right. last. And, and, yeah, so I think Scott Layden probably played a big role at least as the conduit of this thing. Steve, is there like a, a, a timeline in place in Chicago, or are we still too early in, in this whole thing to figure out <laughs> <laughs> what, how, how soon we're looking here? I would say whatever whatever you think the timeline is, is add a year or two. <laughs> um, it's uh, No, no one has expressed that. Paxson at least has been honest enough to say, oh, there's going to be pain. And, um, you know, they, they fully expect that this is going to get ugly. They, they just have to hope that it doesn't reach the depths of Tim Floyd ugly Oof. in those post-Michael Jordan years. So, you know, we'll see just how bad it gets. Um, if, if Chris Dunn is as good as everyone thought he was 365 days ago, you know, if um, Zach Levine can come back and be the dynamic sort of a wing player that he was blossoming into mm-hmm. before the ACL, and if – if uh, Lowry uh, McCannon is uh, going to be a, uh, uh, you know, a Kristaps Porzingis light, then, yeah. you know, then maybe they do have something here. But I'm telling you, the, the young talent they had rounded up to support the three alphas last season, um, there's not much there. Those are role players at best in the NBA, and they may, they may excel in the G League. Wow. Steve Ashburner here with us on the Hangtime Podcast. As as much as people have focused on – you know, how Chicago picks up the pieces. I'm nervous about what they've assembled in Minnesota. Uh, and I and I mean hmm. that sincerely because Carl Anthony Towns doesn't strike me as a guy who's interested in stepping aside even a little bit for Jimmy Butler or anybody else. And Andrew Wiggins fancies himself a one, you know, number one option. How does that work when you got these three guys who all believe they're number one having to play tug of war or having to step aside for the other? It's, a, it's going to be an educational process, there's no doubt about it. And I agree with you in concept. The one thing that I'll overlay onto that is the 48 minutes you have to work with in a game. Because I can see Towns being that guy, you know, for as much of the first 42 minutes as he plays. Mm-hmm. But he was not anyone, you know, capable of closing games out last year. They lost a bunch of close games, and they blew a lot mm-hmm. of big leads. Yeah. And when it comes to Andrew Wiggins, he may fancy himself a one, you know, uh, your first priority, but he doesn't always 
play that way. Right. He's a guy who needs to step up. If he if anything goes right in this addition of Jimmy Butler for Andrew Wiggins, it's going to be Andrew Wiggins saying, you know what, I can be as good as this guy or better, and, and not fighting Jimmy, but trying to show that, that he's every bit as good and having this draw out his talent because his lack of assertiveness and aggressiveness right. has been the biggest gripe about Andrew Wiggins to this point. Hmm. I think the the Chicago to Minnesota connection we we call that the Ashburner corridor. And um, <laughs> I imagine I'll be making a few runs. With I I Ash. <laughs> and I was, but the other guy who who is connected between those two cities besides Jimmy Butler is Tom Thibodeau. How yeah. do you think he handles this? I mean, there was questions last year when he got there about his uh, kind of taking over this rebuild with these younger players and. Um, you know him being kind of a, a results-oriented guy. Does that does it does he change at all this year, or, do, or does what he expects change from this team? It will be interesting. The, you know, this was Tibbs' first trade. You know, hmm. he was up there for uh, you know what is it, fourteen months and um, all last season, and did not did not pull the trigger. People thought he might yeah. really immediately start rearranging furniture and leaving some at the curb, and and they didn't do much of that. <laughs> um, he he. he sort of took his time and maybe it's a little different and as he found out when it's your baby and you're not just uh you know grumbling at the at the front office above you um but i don't you know i don't think he changes i i can't see tom thibodeau changing there's certain constants in life right (laughs) no taxes death and tom thibodeau um i think having jimmy there as a buffer as a as a speaker as an ambassador um as somebody that might even you know hold the line against Tibbs on, on rare occasions um, is probably a good thing. That that locker room cried out for serious uh, veteran presence last year, and it didn't have it, and, and they really need it. So I think, I think Butler can be really helpful that way, too. As long as Jimmy doesn't, you know, if, if he accepts this role, which is going to yeah. involve a lot of intangibles, not just hero ball, which is something he's fallen in love with the last couple of years. Right. As our last Last thing, and, and perhaps the most uh, important to Lang is what's going to happen with his son, Ricky Rubio. Um, <laughs> Lang, Lang is is attached to Rubio for years now. I've I've warmed up to the idea of Ricky Rubio as the point guard for that team. But is he is he the next domino to fall in Minnesota in terms of a guy that gets moved out for something different? I think he might be, and I, I don't think that the trade of Chris Dunn, you know, was any great. Um, Vote of confidence for Ricky Rubio as a long-term answer there at point guard. I think that that team it needs a better shooter. It needs somebody that can stretch defense better. I mean, it doesn't need a guy to handle the ball a ton. Um, Ricky Rubio has a lot of uh, a lot of time with the ball in his hands, and you know Jimmy likes to kind of do that. But they need somebody that can shoot more consistently, be more of a threat. Um, and if you look at obviously Thibodeau's system the Derrick Rose base thing and the guys he plugged in all those times when Derrick Rose was hurt, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, it's point guards with scoring inclination. So that was what we figured he'd first want last year. Um, you know, you want even, you know, Nate Robinson, DJ Augustine, um, Aaron Brooks, you know, all these, these backup guys that like to shoot the ball, they thrive as the Derrick Rose understudy. Yeah. But Ricky Rubio just is not a great fit. And, and, I, I still would expect that he would get moved. Now he's got a core defense uh, of, of uh, a, a core of Minnesota fans and media who very very defensive for for Rubio, and they like the 
the way he plays defense, you know, that he gets in the passing lanes and all of this and how creative he is. So he's a pretty popular player still. But this trade, I think, trumps everything. And if, it, if any move they make with Rubio is seen as in the service of furthering this team and this trade, I think it'll go down fairly smoothly. Yeah, interesting. Ash, you thought you were going to get a break this summer. <laughs> You're not, my friend. <laughs> hey, you know what, guys? I was on the phone for, for something else with David Stern yesterday, and I congratulated him on finally achieving a 13-month calendar for the NBA. <laughs> Yeah, blame it on, he, blame he it on him. Smile like that, you know. I, I could, I could hear him. He was very content, a little chuckle, and uh, you know, they're quite happy to sort of elbow baseball and anything else off the stage here as we approach July. Oh, I bet. There's no doubt about it. Listen, we appreciate you, Ash. We'll see you down the road. I'm sure in Vegas somewhere between yes, now sir. and uh, the next big event, my friend. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Take Thanks, care. Steve. Steve Ashburner joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Lang, he's right. The calendar is. 13 months long. Um, Great. so <laughs> Great for us. So anybody that thought you were going to get a, a breather from NBA news, don't worry. Free agency, summer league, it's all coming up. And uh, free agency begins at midnight on July 1st. And NBA TV will have you covered from coast to coast on all the news and, and goings on. Um, tune in 1130 p.m. Eastern to 130 a.m to kick off free agency. Summer League tips off Saturday in Orlando, bright and early, 11 in the morning. Pancakes, strawberries, and basketball. Um, The Hornets and Heat on NBA TV. Then you get the Magic and the Pacers at 1, Knicks and Mavs at 3, Thunder and Pistons at 5. That means an entire day of Summer League basketball (laughs) coinciding with the drama that is NBA free agency kicking off. Um... So yeah, there there is no off season. Basketball never sleeps. Uh, I'm taking one. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning about eleven o'clock, I get on the airplane. Uh, don't forget subscribe on iTunes to the Hangtime Podcast. Make sure you leave a glowing review and come back next week, every Thursday for another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. Lang, I am going to um, get out of this hot box we call a, a, a studio here and try and figure out. If I can cool back off before uh, Mother Nature uh, cranks the heat back up for us outside here in Atlanta. Good to see you in your hometown, man. What do you got planned? You got a whirlwind tour planned for the next 48 hours? Basically, yeah. Um, I mean, I know you guys like to get it in when you come home. Already uh, hit Fellini's today for lunch. and (laughs) Just got to get Waffle House in, then I'm good. (laughs) Nice. Um, Hartzell, get our Fear the Deer t-shirts warmed up. Let's get on the line with somebody back in. Some custom jerseys. Yes, we need custom joints i want a dj i want dj wilson's number with my name on the back number five go blue baby yes let's get it fear the deer son um that's it folks we'll see you right here next week on the hang time podcast later thanks for listening to the hang time podcast and be sure to subscribe on itunes for a new episode every single thursday this season and as always people remember say kuna matata Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.